Well, at the center of our scriptures uh, is this strange and peculiar collection of writings. And within this strange and peculiar collection of writings, uh, we see like a wide gamut of uh, things being described. Uh, we see this like wondrous praise of our creator God and uh, this wondrous praise of this God's love and protection over us. We see uh, these like beautiful depictions of the creation in which we find ourselves in, the earth in which we dwell, the universe in which we inhabit. And then we see even these like um, painful and difficult and bitter emotions, these calls uh, for vengeance in the midst of the injustice that we or as individuals or we as a people experience. And of course, we know these uh, strange and peculiar writings as the Psalms, um, the, the prayer book, or as Celia said, the, the song book of the scriptures. And so today we're starting a series called um, Praying the Psalms. And to help us through this series, uh, we're going to be drawing heavily from uh, some of the ideas from a biblical scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann. And uh, Walter Brueggemann suggests that as we look at the, the Psalms as a whole, uh, generally speaking, they fit into one of three categories. He says that we have Psalms of orientation, we have Psalms of disorientation, and we have Psalms of new orientation. And he says that the, the beauty of the, the Psalms being looked at in this way is that as we think about our own lives, um, generally speaking, all of us find ourselves in one of those three places, a place of orientation, a place of disorientation, or a place of new orientation. And the beauty of this is that um, the Psalms aren't like this abstract theological idea, but that they, they offer words and experience, or offer words that match up to the experiences that we have, and often and oftentimes uh, give us words to express something that we may not even know is happening. So uh, over the next few weeks, uh, we're gonna be looking at uh, psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, psalms of, of new orientation, and exploring uh, the ways in which um, they, they help shape a, a life of faith. So as we get ready to jump into uh, that this morning, let's pause for a word of prayer. Loving God, uh, we are grateful for this chance to, to gather together on Zoom today. Um, I'll echo Celia's sentiment, the, the joy and the, the comfort that I feel, uh, the hope that I feel as I see uh, faces of, of friends popping up uh, as one of the highlights of my week. So God, thank you uh, for the gift of technology that uh, unites us in a season where um, we may feel rather disconnected. God, we acknowledge that your, your spirit is here among us in some sort of like mysterious divine way, uh, connecting all of us in our various homes. And God, as we acknowledge your spirit's presence among us, we ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us and shape us and form us into the image of Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, outside of uh, all of the wonderful people that live here and call the city their home, uh, one of my favorite things about the city of Canton, believe it or not, is the way that the city is laid out and organized. <laughs> uh, I remember this being one of the first things that somebody told me about the city is that the city exists uh, pretty much on a grid, which you know, if you've lived here for more than a day, like you probably know that, right? We have a very clear road named Market running north and south, dividing the city east and west. And we have a very clear road running uh, 
east and west, named Tusk, marking the separating the city north and south. And more than that, even, we have uh, uh, these quadrants in the city that let you know what part of the city you're in, right? Southeast, southwest, northwest, northeast. And even more than that, we have numbered roads that tell you how far north or south you are of the center point of the city. Now, I don't know about you, but this brings me all sorts of comfort and peace when I find myself here. <laughs> I'm sure that says an awful lot about my personality or the way that my brain's wired. But it also is uh, reflective of uh, the place in which I grew up. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and it would be really easy to get lost out in the middle of nowhere, except for the fact that uh, the roads in the county in which I grew up in were structured in a very similar way. We found ourselves in a grid. So I grew up on 700 East, which meant I was seven miles east of the county line road. So as long as you knew which way was north, uh, you could navigate the county in a relatively easy and simple way. And so uh, I, I love this part of Canton because in some ways it just, it just makes sense to me, right? <laughs> I think there's a, a real beauty in the fact of like, if you were to find yourself in a neighborhood that you had never been in, or if you found yourself completely and totally lost within the city, because of the way that the city is laid out and organized and structured, um, it would only take just a few basic moves to make sense of things. And now sometimes uh, life can feel like that, can it? Uh, that we have these seasons of life where um, even if we have a moment where we feel lost because of the way that things are structured and our, our bigger experience in this season, like it only takes a few moves to figure things out, to make sense of things. Uh, maybe in this season of life, um, we feel like things are really balanced or that there's some sort of equilibrium. Or as we think about life, that there's like a clear lay of the land, that, that things within our life or the world around us have some sort of proper place and function. Uh, as we think about the world, like, yeah, there may be things that are going wrong, but everything for the most part is right and just. Uh, as we think about the season of life, maybe we use the words like, it's all good, or I, I got it all right now, or we describe things as a dream, right? Uh, I have my dream family, my dream house, my dream job, my dream neighborhood, like everything just seems to make sense. Now this is, uh, again, what uh, theologian Walter Brueggemann would call like a, a season of orientation, a moment in life where like it feels like there's an equilibrium, like there's a balance, that things just kind of make sense, that there's a clear north star in our life and that everything has this orientation to it and things make sense. Now, again, the, the beauty of this, um, um, uh, this thing that Brueggemann has noted is that like, uh, there's a, a connecting point to our scriptures and that, that the, the Psalms offer uh, words and images uh, that speak to this sort of experience or season that we, we experience in our life. So this morning, uh, I want us to look at a, a Psalm of Orientation. And the particular Psalm of Orientation that we're going to be looking at is Psalm 1. Now, uh, as we get into this this morning, we're not going to be looking so much at Psalm 1 in particular, but using it as like a, an example of the Psalms of orientation, um, particularly as we think about the role that it plays within a life of faith. So uh, again, uh, hear the words of Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. 
They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now hopefully uh, you notice that um, this... This feels like an orientation, right? Like there's a very clear cut, like cause and effect within the world in which Psalm 1 exists. That uh, happy are those who do not do certain things, right? Don't follow the advice of the wicked. Uh, take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditate on the words of the Lord, who, who reflect on the way of Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus and the, the, the result of that is that they become trees that are firmly rooted by streams of water. And then we see, you know, kind of the opposite uh, depiction with the wicked then. But, but within these Psalms of orientation, we see this very clear-cut, like, cause and effect sort of pattern that exists. Now, maybe one of the first observations that we can make about the Psalms of orientation um, relates to this. And that is that they read almost like the book of Proverbs, right? Um, the book of Proverbs is uh, a, a compilation of these like pithy sort of sayings that uh, have a structure of X leads to Y. Um, so something that you do leads to something that will happen in your life. Now, maybe because I'm a young parent, but it feels like one of the, the more uh, memorable Proverbs is Proverbs 22.6. And it goes something like, uh, train up a child in the way in which they should go. And when they get older, they won't stray from that path. And here we see like the structure of, of a proverb, right? Uh, X leading to Y. Training up a child in the way in which they should go. When they get older, they won't stray from that path. Um, now, one of the problems that we run into uh, with proverbs as a whole, and again, when I say proverbs, I'm also thinking of the Psalms of orientation, is that when we read them, we often read them as if they're like guaranteed promises in our life. Meaning like if we do X, it will always lead to Y. But with the example of uh, Proverbs 22, uh, like we know plenty of parents who did everything right. <laughs> and yet, for whatever reason, their children strayed from that path when they got older. So that leaves us with like two options. Uh, either the Proverbs and the Psalms of Orientation are a hoax <laughs> and they're wrong. Or maybe we're just misunderstanding how we read them. Now, I tend to think that it's that we've misunderstood how we read them. And so maybe rather than reading these Proverbs and these Psalms of Orientation as guaranteed promises, um, maybe it's helpful to recognize that maybe they're, they're, they're meant to be like a proposed posture in our lives. And as a proposed posture, what they're offering to us is like general good advice. And so some have even suggested that as we read Proverbs or these Psalms of Orientation, that we begin with the preface of generally speaking... <laughs> So in the case of Psalm 1, generally speaking, happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And generally speaking, happy are those who are, uh, uh, generally speaking, they are like trees that are planted by streams of water. Do you see how that, that, that shifts it? Because we all know people who do the right thing and yet they've had a really difficult go at life. Um, but we also know like really wicked people who have had all sorts of success in life. And so I think rather than reading these as guaranteed promises, we think of them as like proposed postures towards life, which leads us to what I think their main role is in the life of faith. 
And that is, is that these are texts that point towards like wisdom. Meaning that rather than uh, being like an IKEA instruction manual that on how to put together a thousand piece desk, uh, that if you do steps A, B, C, you'll end up with D. Uh, rather, I think they're meant to, to help us think about life critically, um, to offer us wisdom. And the wisdom that they offer us is what it means to be part of the people of God and what it means to embody and live out a life of faith. Um, and so uh, as we think about these psalms, uh, maybe it's helpful to think uh, about, um, uh, or rather, uh, these psalms then bear uh, what we might call like a, a social function to them. So as we uh, read these psalms, uh, they're doing something to us. And the thing that they're doing is that they're shaping us and forming us. They're giving us a particular sort of perspective, per, particular sort of uh, conscience, a particular sort of like worldview um, uh, as we think about the life in which we live. Um, and so uh, maybe we can think of them this way. So growing up, uh, I loved basketball. And uh, to my surprise, when I started getting like some sort of coaching in basketball, they didn't show me videos of Michael Jordan or LeBron James and say, have at it. But instead, they put me in front of a hoop and handed me a basketball and taught me BEEF. <laughs> Maybe you don't know what BEEF means. Uh, BEEF is an acronym that stands for Balance, Elbow, Eyes, Follow Through. And uh, this is thought to be the key to a perfect jump shot. And so you'd stand in front of the hoop, they teach you balance, how to structure your feet, elbow, keep your elbows in, eyes, where to look at the rim, and follow through. And for hours and hours and hours, you would stand in front of the hoop and think BEEF and shoot, BEEF and shoot, BEEF and shoot. It seemed as though they recognized that um, as we began this sport and this journey and this sport that we needed to have the fundamentals first, right? But then they reached a point where they said like, okay, you may not always be in a situation where you can come to a complete stop and think beef. Maybe you need to be running and throw the ball at the hoop. Maybe you need to get creative. But they recognized that we needed to have some sort of foundations first, some sort of fundamentals first, before we enter into any sort of creative uh, liberties. And I think in some ways that this is what the, the Psalms of Orientation are doing for us. They're giving us some sort of foundation, some sort of um, fundamentals, some sort of grounding, some sort of, dare I say, orientation as we think about the life in which we're living. Um, so that when we get later in life and we're, we're, we're met with all sorts of difficult challenges, like we have some sort of orientation in which we can navigate these sorts of things. So as we think about... Um, praying these psalms and as we think about the the experiences or the seasons of life that we may call orientation um, i think a, a helpful mindset for us might be um, that when we're, we're confronted with something that we might call orientation um, that we own the orientation and what i mean by that is um, i think many of us for whatever reason have ha, may have a, a, a response to something that we might call orientation uh, and that response be to do something like fight it or resist it or feel guilty about it uh, or approach it with some sort of skepticism. But I think if life has taught us anything, it's that um, these moments of orientation don't come often and they certainly don't last forever. And so I think there's a, a real gift that comes with orientation. And so rather than trying to fight it or reject it or feel guilty about it or approach it with skepticism, Maybe the best thing for us to do is just own it and recognize it as a gift from God. When I think of um, a season of orientation in my life, 
uh, I think about um, much of my childhood. And uh, I had this very clear-cut understanding of how uh, life worked, how faith worked, how the world worked, and uh, I I thought that like if I if I did these certain things of being a Christian, like it would lead to a good and easy life. And then I turned fifteen, and my dad died, and then uh, just shy of two years later, my mom died, and this sort of orientation that I had in my life was like completely blown to smithereens. And for the next uh, while of life, I approached anything that, that like smelled of orientation with all sorts of skepticism because I said that that's not how the world worked. And so anytime I would, ex- anytime I would experience a season that, that remotely looked like orientation, I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for things to go wrong. And anytime I read through scriptures uh, that looked like orientation, I rejected them with all sorts of skepticism. And in fact, I've... Uh, it's been really difficult for me to read Psalm 1 for years and years and years. But I began to realize, like, if that's my response to uh, any sort of gift of orientation, then I'm missing out on a gift that God wants to give me. I'm missing out on a moment where I don't have to fight to make sense of the world around me. I'm missing out on a gift where I can just simply exist and trust that uh, the world is being held in God's hands. And I don't have to try and fight and make sense of it. See, I think when it comes to the Psalms of orientation and when it comes to seasons of orientation in our life, um, a helpful mindset for us is to own the orientation rather than reject it, fight it, feel guilty for it, or um, approach it with skepticism. Own it because we don't know when the next one will come around and we know that these moments of orientation don't last forever. Um, so the, the, the name of the series is Praying the Psalms. So what sort of uh, value or merit uh, do praying these psalms have in uh, a life of faith? Well, I mentioned earlier that they have a, a social function. So uh, in some way, they, they seem to shape and form our, our imagination, our perspective, our conscience, our worldview as a collective people. Um, but I think more than just having uh, a social function, I think these Psalms of Orientation also have what we might call like an eschatological function. And what I mean by this is not only are they shaping uh, our imagination and our perspective and our conscience and worldview right now, but they're shaping our imagination and perspective and conscience and worldview of where things are headed. See, I think these Psalms... Uh, help remind us that despite the, the, the reality of our life now, which may feel like it's filled with all sorts of chaos and confusion, that there is a bigger reality. And in that bigger reality, there is some semblance of order and meaning and purpose. And in that big reality that we find ourselves, um, all that we're experiencing is being held in the hands of God. And as we find ourselves confronting the confusion and chaos in which we're experiencing right now, and we ask the questions of like, does it even matter? (laughs) Does it matter to follow the way of Jesus? Does it matter to pursue a life of righteousness and justice? Does it matter? We're reminded that indeed, yes, it does. Because there's a trajectory to the things in which we're heading uh, that there is a future world and that's being held in the hands of God, that there is a world with order and meaning and purpose. And that these psalms of orientation, if we approach them humbly and with an open posture, can begin to shape that imagination, that conscience, that perspective, that worldview within us. 
It's a bit ironic. Um, I spent Wednesday morning uh, working on uh, my sermon. <laughs> and uh, I walked away and I felt pretty good about it. And then uh, about midway through the afternoon, uh, I saw that there was a large, large group uh, storming the Capitol <laughs> and doing all sorts of things that would have seemed uh, unimaginable <laughs> uh, just a few hours prior. And I spent uh, much of the uh, afternoon and evening watching the news and uh, tracking what was happening. And I had a moment where I thought uh, about my sermon and thought like, well, does any of that matter? <laughs> um, does, it, does it matter to try and be like a good person? Does it matter to try and follow Jesus? Because like, there's so much confusion and chaos all around us. Does any of it matter? It was a moment of like, do I actually believe the things that I put on paper earlier today? And so before going to bed, um, I sat down and I opened my Bible and I had all of these images of people storming the Capitol and all of some of the like the horrific uh, and hate-filled images that we saw there. And I read Psalm 1 and I heard some good news. <laughs> and what I heard was good news. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. And good news, those that do that, they're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do they prosper. And as strange as it might sound, I heard good news. The wicked are not so, <laughs> but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And good news, the Lord watches over the way of the, over the, way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And as I sat there wondering, like, does any of this matter? <laughs> Is all of this just a hoax? I read this psalm and I felt something that I hadn't felt in a few hours. And that was hope. See, I think what these psalms of orientation can offer to us is a good bit of hope in the midst of all of the confusion and chaos that we're experiencing. When it seems like things are falling apart, when it seems like there's all sorts of disorientation around us, they remind us that all of this is being held in the hands of God that all of this has some semblance of meaning and order and purpose, um, that there is indeed some sort of orientation, that there is some sort of trajectory to the things in which uh, we're experiencing right now. And so I want to encourage us this week um, to sit with Psalm 1 uh, every day um, and to, to read through it a few times, to, to pray through it. And as we do it, um, if you're not feeling a, a season of orientation, which I, I don't know that many of us are right now, <laughs> don't force yourself to feel anything. But approach it, like I said, humbly and with an open posture and allow these words, and more than just these words, allow the Spirit of God to use these words to begin to do something in us. To shape and form our imagination, our perspective, our conscience, our worldview. And as these things are being shaped and formed, maybe, just maybe, we'll experience something like hope. So friends, uh, as we do this, 
And as we begin to see and maybe even experience something like orientation, don't fight it, don't resist it, don't feel guilty about it, don't uh, approach it with skepticism, but own it. Uh, own the orientation, because sometimes I think this is a gift that God is wanting to extend to us. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks that um, despite all of the confusion and chaos around us, that scripture testifies like time and time again that there is some sort of orientation in the midst of all of this. Um, that we can be reminded that uh, you're holding all things in your hand and that there is a, a, a reality beyond the present reality. And that there's a trajectory to all of this. God, when we feel uh, these moments of confusion and chaos, I pray that these words and that your spirit through these words will begin to offer us something like hope. And that we can indeed be reminded that these things do matter. That there is beauty and goodness in the way of Jesus. And to continue to, to meditate on that day and night. And as we do, trust that eventually all of this will lead to us becoming like trees planted by streams of water. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.